0: Hope you're doing well and welcome to Typology, the show in which we explore the mystery of the human personality through the lens of the Enneagram. I'm Anthony Skinner, producer of the show, and we are happy to have you back for this exciting part two of our two-part series with author, pastor, speaker Louis Giglio. Louis is the pastor of Passion City Church in Atlanta, Georgia, and the original visionary of the Passion Movement. Louie has literally spoken to hundreds of thousands of 18 to 25 year olds around the country. Louie and his wife, Shelly, who happens to be a close personal friend, she's fantastic as well, lead the teams of Passion City Church, Six Step Records, Passion Publishing, and the Passion Global Institute. Louie is a national bestseller author of Not Forsaken, How Great Is Our God, Goliath Must Fall, Indescribable, The Comeback, The Air I Breathe, and I Am Not, But I Know I Am. We're going to join Ian and Louie as they are talking about the Enneagram helping to be a bit of a guidance system to let you know when you're getting out of your lane and when you could be getting into some dangerous territory for yourself. So let's join Louie Giglio and your host, Ian Crumb.
1: You know, on my car, I have this uh, lane warning departure thing. You know, so that if I start to drift out of my lane, my steering wheel starts to vibrate, right? And I often like to think of the enneagram as being my lane detection warning system. When I start to leave my lane, right, because of the self knowledge that I've gained from the enneagram, I my my steering wheel starts to shake and says. Are you sure you want to change lanes? Because you, th- there may be a collision involved if you do. <laughs> you know, and uh, so I, uh, I think it can be really helpful. Uh, you know, you know, knowing when you are in a good space and when you are about to leave a good space. You know. Yeah. So,
2: you know that uh, lane warning thing gets turned on um, somehow. I don't know who turns it on—angels uh, possibly—or, <laughs> you know, right. But I've never turned it on. You know, but it's on all of a sudden. And threes only really care about how fast they can get that thing turned off.
1: <laughs> yes
2: yes They're not that interested in why it's on or what it's protecting them from or saving them from they are like how did this get on and it needs to get off right now yes and i think that you know that has definitely been and the, the best and the worst thing about my life, and fortunately, I don't live alone. I've got a phenomenal wife, and she's been the best thing that God's ever given to me. And I've always been blessed, Ian, like you, with just an extraordinary people around me. Um, just a, an extraordinary team of people currently and always have had just the best and the brightest people, and they help me to the degree that I let them. Um, you know, keep things within the lanes within reason. But a guy like me and a lot of threes listening today are, are saying, hey, I don't want any lane warnings because, you know, give Steve Jobs a lane warning and we don't have the iPhone in our hand right now or we're, we're you and I are not on FaceTime right now. So help, just talk to me a little bit today about the balance, because I feel like when you said before that three think about the next task or the next thing to do, I rarely think about tasks and I rarely think about things to do because I'd like to couch it in better terms because I want to think better of myself. I want to think about the next thing that hasn't been done yet. And that is a task, but it's more of a vision. It's more of a, a wish, I guess, that something could be different, not just for me, but they could benefit the greater common good for all people. And what, how would you encourage threes to, you know, that have that sense right now, and maybe are even pushing back a little bit on anything that would restrict them from, you know, doing something that everybody else has said can't be done?
1: Thank you. It's an amazing question. And I happen to have an answer for it based on something I've read only recently i've been doing a study on saint augustine and i've been teaching on the life of uh, the life of saint augustine saint augustine uh you know it's possible saint augustine was a three uh, very driven he had parents that uh were all about performance achievement and success you know and pushed him in that direction and um he he wrote about ambition and he you know, realized that, and I think this is a problem for three that most of us or or threes, let's say are usually concerned unconsciously for the most part with winning and domination, or I should say attention and domination. How's that Uh, attention and winning. So, you know, a three yearns for admiration because they equate it with love. The more I get done, the more I achieve, the more, the more, uh, accomplishments i rack up uh the more uh loved and uh at home in the world i'm going to feel right so he wrestled with that and he he came up with this great quote that i'm going to encourage every three i've memorized it I, it comes up on my phone in an email every month you know it's sort of timed it says the prayer is this be our glory period let it be for your sake that i am loved wow let it be for your sake that i am loved and why would that be important for a three because an unhealthy young not very self-aware three would be let it be for my sake that i am loved (laughs) let it be the result of all my accomplishments and successes and all the great things that i've done that i am loved but when we say let it be for your sake the things that I've done, or I'm doing, or I'm becoming as a result of you that I am loved—that's healthy. Three.
2: Wow, man, that that fires me up so much because you know the the greatest awakening in my life, Ian. Um, obviously, meeting Jesus is a pretty big one. Uh, lifestyle of worship, a lifestyle, uh, radical grace. Um, but the greatest awakening in my life, I think, was the awakening to glory, which uh, sounds kind of crazy, but. But I realized one day that th- this whole thing is about His glory. Every page, every story, every uh, turn of events, the church, the Word, heaven, all of it's for His glory. And it really changed my life, changed the direction of our organization. In fact, in a nutshell, everything Passion's about is a phrase from the Old Scripture or the Old Testament, which says, for your name in your renown or the desire of our souls and we've been trying to lead a generation in that 180 for 23 years now imagine that that's what kids come to when they fill up stadiums for passion we're telling them it's not about you (laughs) and and they still come which is incredible but i think it's because we're all looking for that higher meaning and that's been my struggle you know honestly of really deep down genuinely believing that it is all about him but also being a fallen human being and knowing how easy I can even make that whole thing about it all being about him somehow all about me. And I think that that daily, you know, willingness choice to die to self and to live for his glory is the difference between being, you know, the biggest jerk and the biggest egotist in the world or someone who genuinely tries to use and leverage and harness that, futuristic gift uh, for something that's going to last forever, and that's his glory. All
1: right. This is fantastic. What I was going to say was, what the Enneagram reveals is that part of us that is dimming the shine of God's glory. And I think that, you know, again, it's it's an imprecise model, like like all models are. But man, in my own life— Like, it has given me a self-awareness where I'm like, you know what, man? Right now, your life is all about you. And the reason I know that is because you are stuck inside this four story right now. And that story is in direct opposition to the gospel of grace. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, your story, the story of the three is, I am what I do, right? In short, right? I am what I do. That story, if that's the premise of your story, then the underlying premise of your whole life is in direct opposition to the story of grace. Mm -hmm. And that's true for every single number on the Enneagram. I could go through all of the underlying premises, and one thing that would connect them all is that you would see that they are in direct opposition to the story of grace. Wow. So if you can figure out, okay, man, what, what lie, what false premise have I been living in? If you can then... Uh, become aware of it, and when it's taking over, then you can say, I can live in a better story, right?
2: Yeah. yeah. A better story. And, you know, for me, that better story has always been about who I am and who I am. And I, everybody can define it differently, but I've chosen to take on that I am a worshiper of the living God. That's who I am. That's who I was created to be. And I've gotten a little freedom in because the thing that the threes tried to do to me, which is to make me equivocate to my job, um, is that in my my theology, um, that doesn't work for me because I'm a communicator, pure and simple. That's what I do. And I do a lot of other things. I'm an entrepreneur, but I'm a speaker. And uh, you understand that because I'm a three. I'm happy in front of people and i know how to read crowds and adapt and draw people into vision and use different language and all that but at the end of the day i'm headed to heaven i'm pretty convinced of that and there is no preaching in heaven (laughs) right right that's the one thing there ain't going to be any of unless it's just like they say it's heaven so all the preachers can go to a preaching conference and preach for each other (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but nobody else is going to be in there. I guarantee you. I mean, it's like what what? Here, here's the Apostle Paul. Here's Moses. Or Louis is doing a seminar on the Minor Prophets down in uh, <laughs> one hundred three at four twenty this afternoon. Um, so there's no preaching in heaven. So the thing that I get my most affirmation from, uh, the thing that I get recognized for. Uh, The way I've made my living um, is preaching, but I'm not going to do any of that forever. Uh, But the thing that I am going to do forever, in some way, shape, or form, I don't know what what all my other roles in heaven are going to be, is I'm going to be worshiping forever. That's who I am. And it's trying to live in that. That's my true self. That is my true self, a love son and a worshiper of God. That's my story of grace. Love son true worshiper of God. And if the degree that I can wake up and breathe that air, man, I'm a good three. Um, But when I buzz past that, and I let, you know, those demons get in there and start chipping away at my self-confidence, or I take some attacks or hits too seriously, man, I'm, I'm up the creek. And some of your listeners know me, some of them, most of them probably don't. But the ones that do know that 10 years ago, I had a nervous breakdown which I would guess is probably uh, par for the course for threes. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: yeah, I mean, first of all, thank you for sharing that. and I want to unpack it. Typically, uh, threes, sevens, and eights are the three numbers on the Enneagram that when I'm teaching are really psyched to hear about their numbers. Like, like they just think, awesome, uh, because usually it works for them right you know what i'm saying like yeah. it's really working like they're out there crushing it like <laughs> a 28 a 28 year old three is not saying to me how do i start to do my work they're like are you kidding me i've just built a mega church or i'm yeah. i'm running a venture capital fund or yeah, i'm crushing it right usually 37s and 8s have to hit a wall and crash before they start to do their work and that sounds maybe what happened to you and so i want to hear more about it
2: yeah i think it's probably just uh you know and i don't really know what all happened it's probably a combination of a lot of things that's normally what happens when you uh, have a nervous breakdown but i think it's a lot of what you were talking about earlier ian that inner turmoil you know there were there are a lot of external pressures but that's probably not what makes most of us crack up it's usually the internal battle that takes us down at the end. And I think for me, it was probably somewhere in between that whole thing of the outer self and the inner self, you know, the perceived me and the real me and which one of those I'm working the hardest on on a given day. But what it did for me, because um, I still consider myself to be an anxiety overcomer. And when you get cracked up like I did, and you're in a heap on the floor for six months, uh, you don't get over it. You really, you go, you get through it. And I'm, I'm, I would consider myself to be, for the most part, in my right mind today. <laughs> Some other people might you know weigh in differently on that. And I have the light of Christ in my eyes. The wind of His Spirit is at my back. I'm functioning in my gifts. I would say I'm back in the black. But I still am fighting that battle that took me out. It, it creeps up here and there. And it's put me in a position where I'm doing some non three things a lot, like talk about my weakness and talk about my failure and talk about the fact that I couldn't hold it all together and that I'm not as strong as people perceive me to be. And I don't know, somehow standing on stages in front of, at this point, hundreds of thousands of people and telling them that I had a nervous breakdown is uh, not only been good for me I think it's been good for everybody else that's ever been around me because it it sort of um, it brings us all to what you've been speaking about to to the real true self and the real true self isn't bulletproof and there are no superheroes out there and threes have a tendency to project that but none of us are
1: yeah well, I um, I like how the Greek, the Eastern Orthodox would describe that experience. They they call it a bright abyss,
0: uh-huh.
1: a a bright abyss. Uh, because you know it's in that uh, it's the, you know again it's this paradox, right? That in the spiritual life, the dark night of the soul, the abyss, there is a brightness to it. That God is doing something in us that we could not do for ourselves. Which is to transform us uh, and to help us face ourselves and survive yeah. what we see, right? And, and so I think, you know, as you said, you're 61 years old, 62, I can't remember what you said. But by the time you get up in, into that age bracket, I mean, how do I say this? What a grace it was that that happened to you. Yeah. I mean, what a grace, uh, 100%. And I think for a three to come out on the other side of that experience and know that I'm not what I do. I, I am, as you say, uh, a son uh, of a perfect father, you know, um, that uh, that that is a, a revelation that if it can get into the blood and the marrow of who you are, changes the whole game.
2: Yeah, and it takes time, and I'm praying, you know, for for the continuation of that. I one uh, had a lot of people help me, you know. And I just say to anybody that we're listening today that resonated with what I just said, especially from a spiritual point of view, if you're a church leader, a spiritual leader, you know, get help um, and get whatever kind of help you need, whether it's a doctor or a counselor or or a priest or a pastor or all of the above. But one of the, the guys in the medical field, Ian and it's spoken to my life, he said, you know, partly what's happened to you is that your brain, whatever that means, your, you know, your inner mechanism of self is trying to save you uh, because it thinks you're trying to kill yourself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, all you yes. can do is laugh, you know. And so it's going to it's shutting down to preserve you from killing you by all of the stress, the pressure, the the pace, um, the expectations, the perfectionism that you're putting on yourself. And, and your body, your brain right now thinks that you are at all-out war <laughs> against your own well-being. And the only way it knows to protect you right now is to shut down and pre- prevent you from doing anything else to you. I thought that was fascinating. And I don't know enough about, you know, the medical world to really understand that but uh, what a grace that God has even put a a shutdown mechanism inside each one of us that helps and you know I I love that Psalm 23 most everybody knows it but the first line of it when he says after the Lord is my shepherd I won't be in need which is a mouthful in and of itself but he's says, my shepherd makes me lie down in green pastures. And I thought, man, I'm not even smart enough to lie down in green pastures. I got to have a shepherd make me do that. So thank you, Lord, you know, that he cares enough about us to, to actually sometimes make us do things like that.
1: You know, that that's profound. And I, again, I want to thank you for your vulnerability, because it's, uh, it's always a gift when people are uh, vulnerable uh, for our folks. And, you know, uh, to be clear, as a therapist, and so I don't want anyone to misunderstand me, I am a big advocate for pharmaceutical intervention when it is required, right? But I think our culture is over-medicated. 100%. Um, and I think sometimes when someone has a breakdown or uh, depression, anxiety disorder, whatever, Right. They may need some chemical support to get them, you know, in a place where they can start to deal with whatever is going on. I, so all in favor of that, everybody. Trust me. But I, I think one of the questions that, that doctors or therapists and priests and pastors ask in, in, um, when, when you report to their office with something like you're describing is, okay, what's wrong with you? okay and that is not a very helpful question when you're in you know, a pile on the floor <laughs> you know what i'm saying like what's wrong with you because you know all of a sudden mm. you've been pathologized and turned into a problem mm. instead of maybe asking the question what is your life trying to tell you yeah what is you know what i mean like right and and what if for example you're Depression, anxiety, and I'm assuming that that, those were features of what you experienced. Yeah. What if those are messages um, from that part of you that is saying, um, maybe you're not sick, Louie. Maybe the culture or the life you're living is. And these are just the natural symptoms of what happens when you're not the sick one. It's actually this the story you're living the culture you're in that uh is sick and your body is saying this is toxic for me
2: wow yeah i think that's exactly it and you know it takes different forms and the thing i've learned Ian, you know you're you got your disqualifiers and which i respect and what i've tried to say too, my disqualifiers are you know this is different for everybody everybody's experience is different everybody's life is different um, I, I did get on board with a pastor very early in my process who had had exactly the symptoms cause I had some crazy stuff happening and I was living in a bubble, I guess, Ian, because I didn't know how many thousands of people were struggling with what I was struggling with, not one tens, hundreds, tens of thousands. And so I didn't know anybody who'd been through what I'd been through. Uh, That's a lot different now, 10 years later, when I I don't hardly know anybody who doesn't know somebody who hasn't been through what I went through. But everybody's story is different, and I don't want to project mine on anybody else. But um, it's not a simple equation of going into a doctor and getting a prescription and getting better in two weeks. And I think that's a revelation for some people of going, wow, this is a... Uh, a lot deeper and it's going to require a lot more of a macro life overview review and transformation and we're not accustomed to that we like getting prescriptions and we like feeling better six days later but six months later you realize okay it took me in, in this case 50 years pretty much to get here it's gonna take me a minute to get out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's I've got true, to be man. Committed to that process and uh, to the whole yeah. process. Yeah.
1: All right. Yeah. So, typically, what happens to threes is uh, like twos and fours. They project an image. the The three projects an image of success, and they want to avoid the appearance of failure at all costs. Okay, and what they're afraid of twos, threes, and fours is. If I let down the mask, the projection, right that there's no one behind it that that so all three numbers have issues around identity like who am I and is there anyone behind the mask? Um, when you hit that bottom and you had the gift of desperation, as, as a I think a nice phrase, uh, did you find that? you could no longer hold the weight of the mask. And were you afraid there was no one behind it?
2: Um, No, I don't know if I would say I was afraid no one's behind it. Ian. I think I was afraid to let people see that a weak person was behind it. A struggler, you know, somebody who didn't, that had chinks in my armor uh, was behind it. I remember, um, and I know we can't dwell on this forever and we got to wrap up, but, uh, we were planning a church when all this happened, which, you know, is part of that. If you want to blame it on something, that would be what you would blame it on. Um, uh, you know, starting a local church is not a great idea if you have control issues and self approval of others' issues, <laughs> which Amen. I know I had to, big control issues and big, I need people's approval issues until we planted the church those don't um, you know manifest as much when you're leading an entrepreneurial movement and going from city to city speaking but once you're in a community of people you're going to lead for a long while they they come up immediately and so we're in the early stages of planning this church we've only had a handful of meetings at people's basements and living rooms we're not even the doors aren't even publicly open yet and we're, we're going to one of these meetings. It's a few weeks into this crash. I'm literally in the car shaking while my wife is driving, wondering, why are we going to this thing tonight? I just needed to give an excuse. You know, people know I'm not feeling well. And I, the reason I went was because I felt it was important to go to this room full of 20 people and let them get their eyeballs on me and say, Hey. I'm your pastor, <laughs> and I, I I walked into these friend's house, sat down, and that's what I said. I said, everybody I know for the last however many weeks it had been. I don't remember the details right now. That you know, I haven't been around. I haven't been at meetings, and Shelley's probably been telling everybody I'm you know not doing well, not feeling well, whatever. But I just needed you to get your, your eyes on me and see me like. I am right now, um this is me. I'm your pastor if you'll still have me, and I am in the middle of some kind of significant breakdown right now, and I wasn't afraid of who was in there. I just was wondering if that guy maybe could get out. Ian, you know maybe he'd been buried by the three so far down that he couldn't get out, and if he did get out, people wouldn't like him
1: hmm. Well, that's the three-story, man. And it's also the three-story of, of healing that you're describing. And uh, wouldn't it be great if, you know, uh, a younger three is listening and this conversation could save them time, right? Because I think that's what all good preaching and teaching does, right? It's yeah. like, let me save you some time. <laughs> 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 and... Uh, you know, everybody's has got-
2: that on Sunday. By the way, I will not credit you for it, but I, I'm using. It. <laughs>
1: yes, be a really good three and take credit for yourself. <laughs> well, um, so your book, "Not Forsaken," is the title. Finding freedom as sons and daughters of a perfect father that dropped back in May. I love the title. Does it? How does it connect to the conversation we've just had?
2: Well, everything I think ultimately goes back to, you know, the fact that we were created and um, we're not the makers, we're the made and we're not the creators, we are the created and we were not just created by some ambivalent divine being, we were created by a perfect father and um, that's all good and uh, happy news until I put it through the lens of my dad, my earthly dad and when a lot of people do that... That's where their relationship with God breaks down. And what I want to do, Ian, is save them some time. And I want to serve people the best way I know how, which is by helping them see that God is not just a bigger version of their earthly dad. He's the perfect version of their earthly dad. And he can give them the blessing that they've longed for all their lives. And in fact, he has given us that blessing through his son. And so this book just helps people piece back together uh, a, a hopeful and a helpful relationship with God. And you know even if somebody didn't have a jacked up relationship with their earthly dad, I still think there's ways for most churchgoers I know to still see God as He really is, which is not a scorekeeper in the sky, some angry old man, some distant, you know, religious force or energy, but to see him as a personal, Powerful father who wants to give them the blessing they need to become, as you would say, their true self, the truest version of themselves, which is a love son, love daughter of the almighty, perfect father.
1: Wow. Well, I want to just encourage everybody to get a copy of Not Forsaken, Finding Freedom as Sons and Daughters of a Perfect Father, recently uh, dropped just only in May. So it's still warm on the presses, people. (laughs) Uh, Louis, did you enjoy this conversation as much as I did?
2: I am like, I count this one of the best blessings of 2020 so far. Thank you so much, Ian, for having me on. And thanks for putting me on this path. I'm going to enjoy it,
1: man. I sure hope we have a chance one day to meet each other and face-to-face and have no pressure of time to uh, mingle our thoughts and experiences and enjoy them.
2: I would look forward to that. Thank you.
1: Typology listeners, don't forget the book, Not Forsaken, Finding Freedom as Sons and Daughters of a Perfect Father by Louis Giglio. And please remember the words of the great Oscar Wilde, be yourself, everybody else is already taken.